Hello. Before we start this episode, we do want to advise that the content touches on sensitive topics related to our guests' experiences escaping North Korea, including discussion of mental health issues and human rights crimes. However, there are also many messages of hope, the importance of community, and lots of light moments talking about football. Hello and welcome to another episode of Talking Salford, recorded here in Radio Studio A and our Media City campus. It's Lachlan Campbell as today's host on this summer's day in northwest England. And would you believe it, but we are on to five episodes into this new venture now. And I hope that we meant, hope there will be many more to come. Uh, so for today's guest, it gives me great pleasure to welcome Timothy Cho to Talking Salford. Thank you for having me. It's it's quite strange. But exciting feeling. Come back to my university podcast particularly. It's yeah. lovely to have you here with us, Tim. So it would take me the duration of today's episode to do Tim's full backstory justice. So I'm just going to try and do the headlines. So Tim was born in North Korea, where he was separated from his parents and lived on the street. He was imprisoned four times and managed to escape his home country twice succeeding the second time when after seeking refuge in an in, in American international school. He was then deported to the Philippines and later sought asylum in the UK, arriving in 2008. In the 15 years since, Tim has gone from not knowing a word of English to graduating from Salford in 2016 with a politics degree and has since gone on to secure a master's from the University of Liverpool and in, in international relations and security. He's become a passionate campaigner and spokesperson on all issues around North Korea, addressing the United Nations and the European Parliament multiple times. Tim works as an inquiry clerk for the all-party parliamentary group on North Korea, has previously worked with Fiona Bruce, the MP for Congleton, and has stood as a candidate in the local elections the last three times, increasing his vote share each time. So Tim, I hope that was a fair summary for your introduction. Um, I will also say that for someone that has experienced such a harrowing um, story, you are very upbeat and charming and ha really have a real sunny disposition to you when to anyone that I think that comes into contact with you. Um, now, I know you speak about your ordeal in North Korea a lot, and that's very important. But I want to know, first of all, how have you dealt personally with your trauma and how are you such an upbeat guy despite all of it? That's very kind of you putting so nicely about my introduction, and thank you. Um, I am hoping this podcast is also listened to uh, North Korean government, <laughs> so they should know someone who they abandoned and now become someone speaking on this university podcast after his graduation proudly. Mm -hmm. But you mentioned about trauma, nightmares, and flashbacks. It's really important, and it's of course I come from very. Uh, and and shocking and, and and persevering experience of it. But I do know we all have uh, some perspective and some uh, major amount of um, uh, trauma, depression. These mm -hmm. things we all have our own stories. But my case, it's been challenging, I have to say. Yeah. And even when I was studying in Seoul University, that's one of the things. And um, so I had to fight really, really hard because I didn't want. Uh, put down myself while you focus on in the middle of the essays and exams you're preparing and that trauma and nightmares come affected that you couldn't move forward. 
So I literally have fought very, very hard. But at the same time, I do have my like uh, personal faith, which I, I, I'm a Christian. So mm -hmm. we all have uh, our own way to uh, uh, follow our faith or belief in part which help you. But after all, it is still your own uh, uh, personal effort and, and stand fight against it. I, I fought really, really hard about this. Even a few days ago, I was uh, I had interview about uh, mental health issues yeah. and how did I fight. I always uh, try not to go into that gray and dark area mm -hmm. because that experience, what I had gone through, it even pushed me into darkest corner, even thought was going to try kill by myself at least a few times. But got out from there, when I feel I'm in that moment of feeling, then I take sports, run, uh, and listen to music, or mm -hmm. watching encouraging dramas and films, particularly like personal in, uh, stories, how that can encourage you. And and I'm, well, <laughs> honestly, I cried a lot so many times. Really. Yeah. Yeah, um, and sometimes you're reading about prison camp stories or to someone's torture stories or from mm. war uh, time, and it literally can't take you to uh, go into bed for a few nights at least. Sometimes you don't even want to turn the light off because the dark comes to take you away, that feeling you have. Um, and sometimes you watch someone's story whose uh, childhood was uh, left by their own parents. That can also reflect. But each reflection, it does links to what I have had gone through. It can and uh, take you down or uh, depress you into dark uh, and gray area. But I think once we discover who we are, particularly you in your heart, you discover yourself, your identity of you are being loved person, you are a valuable person. I think that was huge resources. Mm -hmm. And once you know that part of it, you are capable to do so. I have, I have, have my faith in it. I could, I could fight against it. I could yeah. get up from it. So the attitude of your mind is very important. And also look at the beyond hope all the time. Mm -hmm. When we look at English vocabularies, like a good, uh, bad and good, darkness and light and, and love and hatred. So you do not put yourself on the negative perspective, but look at the beyond side of hope side. Because and we all in that circumstances, we have to push it through get out. But it's for our own well-being and benefit. And particularly what I have personally experienced, the mm -hmm. hatred, anger and forgiveness. And I can share with you one of my personal story. Five years ago, my mother rang me. Uh, when I was on a bus in Manchester and uh, she was in hospital and her doctor uh, uh, asking this question on my mom's behalf because she couldn't talk and that was one sentence son could you forgive me so after so many years and um, I don't have uh, many memories of my mother particularly mm. one of the last times she waved uh, on a train uh, I mean that was one of the last times I saw her that's how she left and um, it was hard when you hold the darkness, hatred, something in your heart. And that was more uh, adding a point of where it all together alongside uh, trauma and, and, and nightmares. It pushed you really into uh, that gray area you couldn't really get out. But I really fought hard to try to explore my heart 
out to discover myself who I am. If I didn't have that process, I couldn't finish my degree. Yeah. Because the degree during uh, three hours, uh, three years in Seoul University, literally mentally and physically, I stayed more time in in library than in my bedroom. Yeah. But all the effort you could do that because I believed something that I could do it. I believed I could fight it. I believed I could uh, get tough and, and stand against it. Probably it's been my journey whole of that process even until this moment. I think we'll we'll come on to your time at Salford and as you as you've alluded to there, the remarkable achievement that it was that you were able to to do that degree and to, and to come out and be such a worldwide speaker on political ideology. I think that's absolutely fascinating. But you've accomplished so much since you arrived in the UK 15 years ago. Can you take me back to those first few years um, when you first arrived, how you managed to find your way? How did you get started in education in the first place? Um, I did not speak any English when I first came uh, yeah. arrived in the UK and well I ended up in Bolton particularly I still don't know why I ended up in Bolton <laughs> <laughs> and Bolton's lovely though isn't it <laughs> yeah it's, it's a lovely town obviously <laughs> um I had to learn English that was my first all I was thinking that moment I didn't know where I'm how to start yeah and of course I registered at Bolton Community College then they said you have to wait next few months until the next course start. So I was walking on a street in Bolton and I saw a church building there yeah. and I went there and I attended a service. It's because there were people, you know, I wanted to be in that among the people and community. Okay. But the church building was also serving homeless people every day. And I asked them, is there anything I can help you guys? And they, they then asked me back can you wash dishes? And I said, yes, I can mm -hmm. wash it. So from that moment, I went in washing dishes and, and coffee cups. And with that, alongside, I learned how to make tea and coffee. So I literally served uh, homeless people with tea and coffee, but each tea and coffee I gave them. And in return, I asked them uh, for an English word. Yeah, yeah. So literally, I learned from homeless people hundreds of English words. And it also gave a kind of a feeling of proud my on the opposite side of homeless people. Mm. We want to be recognized, every single of us, and yeah. we want to be loved. But when things we are such a, in circumstances, our existence no longer recognized, this is where you take it to turn into that grand hopeless moment. And when these homeless people who taught me those English words, they were proud of themselves yeah. and they were also they also empowering the moment. Oh, we did something, we could do something. But my then point of view, I was able to serve these homeless people. And of course, I come from a homeless background. That's why I more felt sympathy and uh, spending time more with them. Yeah. But that was the beginning point of it. Well, I was empowering even from starting point. I could do something. And with that, and I continued learning English and in two years time, I got my GCSE and went to college. Mm -hmm. But I also never thought I was going to study uh, politics. So that is a different story. This part comes. Yeah, we'll, 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 come, on, we'll <laughs> come on to why you decided to study politics. I think it's, 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 it feels like it's, um, it's so touching that it's someone very much lived experience of homelessness 
like speaking and working with the homelessness community to help build your own understanding of of what the UK mm. was about, of the language, of being able to feel more at home. Um, how did you then get started in GCSEs? What what was your route there? Like, did you have much support? What what was your path? Um, there were some of those English courses we call ESOL English courses were available for those refugee backgrounds and, yeah. and students and or, or even others course. And I hope those are available. Uh, the college courses are available for those continuing for those people who come from difficult circumstances. That was a significant uh, resource for me. Yeah. Was able to start. Um, it there was a school uh, when you go to college and teachers were available where you learn it. And at the same time, it is still I have to say your personal effort is really really important. That where your mentality want to do this, want to carry on. Mm -hmm. And I know there are many people who have arrived in the UK and for, for many years they still can't speak English. Yeah. But this is the important part. When you come to that country, you have to learn that language if you can't. And, and also if you can, there are more available opportunities and where you can break down some of barriers and which I have personally experienced. And I pushed it very hard myself, was able to go to Bolton uh, Library and available books. And learning English with news in uh, particular, because I'm a big fan of football, Manchester mm -hmm. United fan. Sorry if anyone does support United. I am not going to tell this podcast <laughs> what team I support because I don't want to prejudice. <laughs> well, well, it means I was happy to read uh, football news. Yeah, yeah. So every, every day I, I collect a free newspaper. Uh, from both, yeah, yeah, and I, I, I cut out that only the news, football news, yeah, and I read it. Of course, I didn't understand, but I was able to catch out every single English vocabulary from there. So with homeless, football, Bolton, that's where I have perfect started. Perfect <laughs> perfect. No, I, th I think it's absolutely fan <laughs> fascinating. Um, so once you decided to get a degree, um. You went to Manchester Metropolitan University, but you had a bit of a change of heart. Can you kind of talk to me about why you decided to, to cross over the River Irwell to come to Salford from Manchester? Yeah. Well, I did not want to talk about anything from North Korea or Korea myself. Yeah. And I even did, did not tell people I came from Korea. Oh, of course, uh, uh, that part, if someone came genuinely and interested in asking about uh, some serious questions, where you born, how, why you are here, then I, mm -hmm. I started to share it. But in general, I didn't want to talk about much that I was born in North Korea and how I escaped. Did the conversation bring out itself? That night, I was going into trauma and nightmares. I have had hundreds of times of sleepwalk at night time. And sometimes I woke up. I didn't. I did. I didn't realize where I was. It was in a prison cell, China, North Korea on the street. Phew, I I did it hundreds of times. Eventually, when I woke out uh, on the street, see English road sign, then I was. Oh, this is England. I can go back to sleep. Oh wow! This was really dra draining experience yeah. and so i really didn't want to talk about anything about korea didn't even want to think about it because i hated it a lot but if you ask me now i love it talk about it when i'm standing on the stage to talk about persecution human rights violations mm -hmm. in north korea other countries i feel like i'm dancing on the stage i don't know why it's just a passion for you yeah. isn't it? it's, it's, it's a way of channeling that trauma 
into mm. positivity and passion. Absolutely. And also I have seen what was human rights crimes means abused, uh, imprisoned, tortured, executed and women and, uh, and sold into human trafficking and the abusement I saw in front of my eyes. Probably that first moment arriving in this country, I didn't want to talk about it. Yeah, no, I can absolutely but, understand that. But when I was learning uh, GCSE and, and now into uh, learning uh, chemistry, biology, physics in my A-level, wanted to become a dentist, it could be a good job, you know, earning yeah. a decent money if you become a dentist. But during my first year, I was sitting, one time I was sitting in my classroom, hundreds of students um, and listening to, and that moment, the picture of it, oh, if I was in North Korea, could I have this, op have this opportunity? And that picture, and also then, then what now? Then why am I having this opportunity today? So that perspective mm. was triggering me. Yeah. I want to learn more. Then why these 25 million still don't know who they are? They can't even talk about. And they, they, don't, um, they are in this prison country and locked in the cage and, and can't express who they are, find out what, who they can love or care about even. And that identity uh, and perspective was significantly triggering uh, uh, my mind that moment and was pushing me. I, Timothy, are you doing right course right now? Are you studying right uh, 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 path that you want to really learn about? Yeah. So I struggled and I stopped my uh, uh, I stopped my study and got a job. And within six months, I was thinking about very seriously. And the topic I saw um, through my uh, my own research it was politics. Yeah. I didn't know anything about it to be honest. I only thought in North Korea, only Kim family was the a group of people could do politics. So you came into she came into politics with an understanding of not really knowing a lot around no. how the system works, no. around the key ideologies, and did you know much about our own kind of government setup before you started? Not even much of the UK. I know when I arrived in this country, it was a Labour Party in the government, and yeah. of course now it's uh, Conservative. We don't know what's going to happen next year, of course. But um, that was only so far I understood. But one thing I knew. When yeah. I arrived in this country, there were basic opportunities available. Yeah. And I struggled a lot. One of, the, one of my painful experiences in North Korea after my father escaped to China, because I was given son of a betrayer tag. Once you have a traitor son's tag, you are belong to enemy class. About 30% of the population in North Korea belong to the enemy class, where you get discriminated against everything, mm -hmm. which you could compare with the apartheid systems in, Af in South Africa. South Africa. So, uh, I couldn't attend school from age 10, but when I came to this country, the pen and paper available. And yeah. this is one of the, my obsession until today. In every single of my pocket, I have a pen. And I have over 5,400 pens on my desk. <laughs> it's about how it's collect. But that pen and paper and with democratic and values yeah. and perspective, it has empowered me and it has encouraged me to learn more about it. So if I understood that pen and paper, I was able to learn about it, then politics or any subject, what I chose, probably, it couldn't uh, 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 stop me because I already believed in myself and self in it and I was able to stand against it and fight it 
But that means I want also want to learn about the knowledge of the system. Why there are 25 million and why there are many of those countries people are persecuted. Why they can't talk about it, why they yeah. can't express freely like we do. Or born with crime like in North Korea. That's not the United Kingdom have that kind of systems. So, so one thing, the basic perspective from that moment I understood in the UK was pen and paper. Pen and paper was a symbol for you. Mm. That's that's fascinating too, and that really is. So so tell me about your Salford experience then. <laughs> How did you find things on campus when you first arrived? What what things do you remember the most about your time here? On my first lecture, and that was a political media, and and, and his name, he's still here, still, still teaching. Here, yeah. yeah. I asked him. Does NHS system is like in North Korea? <laughs> I don't know why I asked that question. If North Korea had NHS. Yeah. Because what I understood when I first came, NHS system, we don't, you go to the hospital yes. and you don't pay. You don't pay. Yeah. And physically. Mm -hmm. So I did not understand that system that moment. At all. No. Yeah. So um, then the, to one picture I compared that time was with North Korea. So I had a lot of questions. But my first question uh, on my uh, first day, and that question was, what's the difference between NHS systems, such as like North Korea healthcare systems? And actually, <laughs> the professor looked at me very strangely, like, where are you from? <laughs> I still remember his face. <laughs> and I, I met him a few months ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, we, we share a lot of things today, but we understand. But uh, from that moment, and what he explained to me, yeah. and, uh, the answer was not enough for me. So then I, to dig deeper yeah, into why, I, yeah. I went to the library and mm -hmm. grabbed a book. And it was hard to understand for me because I had to learn most of those po political vocabularies with the dictionary next to me. And I started reading yeah. it. It's completely different because we contribute tax systems. That's how then uh, the hospital NHS runs. Um, but North Korean healthcare systems, of course, what they call free healthcare systems, but they don't even have medications when you go to hospitals today. Mm. And you can't get prescription from doctor, but with that prescription, you have to go to black market to find medicines. You have to buy it, but it's expensive if you smuggle the uh, medicines from outside. Then if you don't have it, what do you do? You, you use herb treatment system like in Asia, some of Asian countries, poor countries. Yeah. But if you use that herb treatment, it gets side effect. So if you uh, ask every single North Korean person inside the country, they all have at least one or two side symptoms. It's harrowing. really uh. is. It really is. Um, so... And when it came to understanding politics in the UK and reading those books, I mean, those books are not easy to read for any person, really. So how, how did you find having to put yourself through reading all of those key textbooks to try and understand the way politics in, in the West works? Um, I literally almost completely memorized one whole book. Memorized the entire book? The entire yeah, book. Front to back. Uh, Day and night, I, I used the dictionary and write uh, and, and repeated it was uh, writing on the papers and reading it, listening to it. I think with it, 
one whole textbook I memorized it, and from the next book I was able to understand. So, and I, I during my first semester actually there was a down uh, down feeling moment because what I submitted my first assignment. Uh, one of the professors, well, he told me later who he became my uh, personal supervisor, uh, uh, dissertation supervisor. Okay. But that moment, assignment feedback, he said, I don't think you are able to pass this course. Your English really? is very, very weak. <laughs> That's what he said. Wait, was this in your first or your third year? Sorry. It was fir- on, on my first year. Fir- in your, sorry, first in your fir- year, first year. First year. He, la- he became your dissertation supervisor. Yeah, yeah later. My, fi- on my yeah. final year, he became dissertation yeah, yeah. supervisor. But on my, during my, uh, uh, with my final assignment on my first semester. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he gave me that feedback. And I actually cried until 4 a.m. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that. yeah. And then. Did you use it to motivate you, though? He actually literally triggered me. He actually motivated me. Yeah. I have to say, if I didn't get that note, there, there, there are two ways you can choose. I'd give up. Just find a job somewhere uh, without much using English yeah. languages where you can do coffee shop, you know, some kind of jobs. You can do cleaning. That's fine. But there are two ways you could choose, whether you stand, fight against it, challenge it, or you give up on it. And and after 4 a.m., I determined, no, I'm going to challenge it. Yeah. Let's see whether this book is going to win or I'm going to win against it. So from that night, from next day, I was in the library literally every day so my favorite campus if you're asking around the surface is the library it's the library and i want to actually through this opportunity i want to encourage our university chancellor please invest more into invest our more library in and make some bigger and new building library is very important that books wakening us up well, li- libraries clearly were such an important thing for you important. once you arrived in the uk yeah. yeah all the books that you could read through mm. understanding language getting you to where you are today mm. it's, it's been as you say a valuable resource for you and so. one thing i can also tell you and all our software alumni and supporters in north korea you are not able to find those textbooks information blockade yeah you are not able to find that anything from outside the revolutionary or international events books even communist Marxism book is banned in North Korea. That country is established upon them and Marxist ideology. Because of that influence, they might stand against the, the ruling regime currently. See. So now that you've become quite a prominent public speaker on North Korea, can you tell me how you got started in this route? Because it, it happened shortly after graduating from my understand. And I mean, I think you've talked a little bit about it, but what was your key motivation to become a public speaker? I, well, I've I never thought I would become a public speaker. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I was first year university, I remember I one group uh, in the, it was in the Netherlands. They asked me to share uh, my experience, how I escaped from that country. Yeah. Um, it was it was not easy to talk about. But I think with politics, I was starting it slowly. I was learn more about it, and also between victim and victimization, persecution and human rights violations, and why it has it been caused by ideologically you know, driven and driven, or 
has it because of personal ambition bring up this old dictatorial systems it has so much passionate in my heart mm. and particularly since taking into this political course so i was one of the students probably if you ask any <laughs> professors from my course never stopped asking questions i, I i'm not surprised at all <laughs> um, so and uh, with that passionate of course when i got this invitation from uh, um, university groups and 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 human rights groups or yeah. uh, religious groups i did not hesitate to come to and share about it but one thing i it also has motivated later what i shared about the causeness of our heart that influence encourage you to do good cause work uh kind of a uh, 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 reaction in making yeah uh, and dominant reactions and it made me feel like wow this is how we can make a better community society and world so it has encouraged me so one one time two time a third time you sharing it and now they'll talk about it and then at least even one person thinking about i'm going to study that way or i'm going to do help refugee people who are in that circumstance or i'm going to uh, uh, help out those uh, groups who are working on advocacy areas like yeah. uh, human rights violation amnesty international or open doors any names of it so in in that way of course we all have different gift but with that different gift in our heart we take that good cause apart so we need more of these kind of people who share the stories and that stories encourage you and me and others and to stand and uh, hold our hand together because we all want to be good and uh, good society and good people good world not want to see the evil and when and um, when our uh, for, uh, former prime minister elise truss uh, came and came to an event and what she said one thing i really agreed strongly with her when she was foreign secretary she said that we allowed we western countries allowed putin come to all the way to ukraine and we cannot allow that putin cross over the ukraine border and push forward yeah if we have i, I agree with her i agree with we did allow it because our silence in act or maybe sleeping mode have allowed come to this way that values of uh, 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 dictatorial values of darkness oppression and, and crimes against humanity and that's the same way when we look at it about uh, human rights religious persecution around the world 360 million people simply because of their religious faith yeah that certainly is not right i love your passion for this i really do and i think it is such an admirable thing to do with your life um and the betterment that you've made for yourself really is inspiring tim so you speak to the united nations the european parliament um you've engaged with members of parliament in the uk so how do you cope in these kind of pressurized situations when you're on the stage and you're addressing so many people so many prominent people from around the world how do you keep calm how do you, how do you keep yourself in the moment of just having that clarity in your voice because i think many people would really struggle in that scenario yeah yeah well so, so it is we all what i understand so far i'm not in a such a position what we call power hold you know some people we think they they are they got more power certainly they have a public powers because we vote for them yeah. and they are elected into certain positions but we all also speak of the language of humanity and heart and love 
And, and, and our work is that we don't want, uh, I hope those who are in those positions, I, I am very hoping, I very hope they hold that, uh, that, that heart of commitment in their heart, why they are in that position, who they work for, who they speak for on, on behalf. Mm -hmm. This is really important. Because we stand for those who cannot speak sometimes, uh, some of those, or who, who we stand for those, uh, if they don't know their values, uh, we encourage them to understand the person of their values in their heart and, and family and love. But in, when we look at around the world, it's, we live on the same planet, but such things and such tragedies and, and, and inhumanity and atrocities are going on. Mm -hmm. And when I look at that part where I was and each imprisonment when I was there, I, I had no hope. But when I got out from that, my fourth imprisonment and when I was given that diplomatic passport, because we're from international communities together, did they know about who Timothy was? No, they didn't. Did they know the eight women in my group and who they were? No. But one thing they believed that they stood together for uh, rescuers because they knew we were going to be killed. Not because we did something wrong, but we simply wanted a, a life of freedom mm -hmm. and the values of humanity we wanted to have. But that was denied because of the ideals uh, 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 personal ambitions were holding this country into totalitarian dictatorship. But that moment I saw the community was standing together. Mm -hmm. And that was the first time I felt I, I had that feeling someone is recognizing me. Someone yeah. loves me. Someone stands for me. Someone speaks on my behalf. If I have experienced that I got out, why shouldn't I stand on their behalf? If I maintain that part of who, where I come from and who I was and who I have become today to love and care for others, that encourages me. doesn't matter whoever I stand in front, whether that's King Charles and Pope Francis, who I yeah. have met, or even politicians, prime ministers, ministers, or even someone who is on the street. We all have the same value of humanity, mm -hmm. love and care for others. If we all have that commitment, I think this world, the same planet we live on, I think we could have a far better world today. Tip. You've caught me there. You really have. Um, it's so lovely and inspiring to talk to you. And I think one thing um, we spoke about previously was that you feel the real need to keep coming back to these bodies as well, whether it's the United Nations, whether it's the European Parliament. The words you have to say need to be repeated constantly because you, you said before, you ca we can't stop talking about North Korea. Mm. We have to keep talking about it because if we stop talking about it, people won't know mm. what's going on. And that's something you're very passionate about. I am. Um, one of my most favorite words is hope. Of course, hope is something we cannot grab it, but we can feel it, we can imagine it. It gives you confidence and also it gives history background as well. That's what I have uh, uh, learned and I have realized and I have extended my knowledge and, and studying in politics why we must continue to hold this hope. I'm talking about North Korea, not just about North Korea, or even how many countries is happening around the world. Mm -hmm. And when I was speaking at the United Nations uh, Human Rights Council sessions, poo, how many dictatorship countries? 
they are uh, they are sitting alongside. It's good. I love it. The international atmosphere, community sitting together. But then, how far we are talking about protect our own people? Some of those countries and leaders they do not have take the same responsibility to protect its own people, mm-hmm. and they put them in prison, execute them, and and enforce the disappearance. Because they talk about something and 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 meant to freely able to express their thoughts and views and wants to go to a, a church or their faith wherever it is. And what if a, a, any category of this is denied, it means there is no freedom in that country. Mm-hmm. We have to be careful. And um, we his I love history. I'm a big fan of history because history tells us clearly gives the evidence of. Everything is not for granted. Things are never Absolutely. get granted, and and this is why hope the world itself and um, keep repeating it, talk about it, and visioning it. And we have even and that's what scholars and lecturers who are continuing write about what feature of it because they see the hope, and in that hope we think of our future generation as well. Mm-hmm. And North Korea, if we don't talk about it today, the hope will be uh, will will be fading. And disappear. Yeah. And uh, and how many years I've been escaping from this country? I know you can escape, you can hide. Then what do you do? You have to stand against it. You have to speak against it, and you have to speak on the behalf of those who cannot speak. And that's hope. We still talk about even Holocaust after seventy years of uh, the Holocaust. What it happened? Yeah. We still have Jewish uh, Auschwitz and Auschwitz in Poland. Why? Because. We don't want to repeat that. Yeah. Never again. Never again. But in some part, we still repeat in some process of atrocities and crimes against humanity, and 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 even 110 million refugees around the world. What's going on? If we can raise so many questions at the moment, but if we have that word hope, and we couldn't have this podcast today. You're very. You're very right. And you're a, you're a father of two, Tim. You have a very settled family life in Denton here in Greater Manchester. So my last question before we hit the recommendations is: After all you've been through, after all you've experienced, do you feel optimistic about the future? Well, if we look at it physically at the moment, not very optimistic. But if we all collect our views and uh, why we must think of a better way than thinking of a dark. And and uh, and uh, something, and be uh, opposite optimistic. That's never gonna help us. Mm. But I'm always thinking about. Let's let if everyone of us brings this our gift, and media, speakers, technology, economy. Instead of our uh, someone who used that bad intention to creating this bad way, ruling their people. But that gift used in a good way, because that's why we have a good fight exist. So I am very optimistic, and I do believe in my time or in our time, North Korea and North Korean people should have the freedom that, like in Salford, yeah. or Salford University students can express and debate over it. Yeah. And that's why I, I am hoping North Korean elites are listening to this podcast, and they should know who they are serve. After all, that's not the right way. History will remember it. Who take the right path? 
Thank you for that, Tim. Now, we're going to talk about your recommendations from your time here in Salford um, and reflect a little bit on it. So now you graduated in, in 2016, if I remember rightly. So back then, where I mean, I think I actually know the answer to this question based on the interview we've just done. <laughs> But where where was your special place on campus? Where did you go that was um, a place to read, to study, to relax? I mean, I think I know the answer already. Two places. Oh, okay. First, A is, of course, the library. The library. That's my favorite. And second one is Student Union okay. Restaurant. Student Union Restaurant. Tell me about that. Oh, because I had to stay in the library. I needed food. I was so, you know, if you read a lot, you get hungry very easily. Oh, I imagine, <laughs> and You constantly yeah. need food. So I often went there. Later on, after my graduation, even come around the Star Student Union, but I could smell a burger because I had too many burgers yes. from there. <laughs> um, um, and also... And we all are young people at the same time in a during your university. Yeah. And I loved, you know, playing uh, pool, you know, yeah. with my friends. And some of those friends who we studied together, we are still keeping touch. You know. It's been ten years now, almost ten years. Yeah, since we started. Since ten you years, started. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and and we all are in a different, you know, industry, different commitment yeah. now. But we we are very good friends, maintaining. And I can't believe sometimes I have to pinch myself if it's not in a dream. I have friends from UK for te 10 years, you know, one of the best friends in my life. But I still can't see my friends from North Korea. Oh, I don't even know whether they are still alive. Yeah. Yeah. That must um, be really hard. So I am proud that I went to Solfield University. And I am also very grateful to every uh, single or every teaching staff at Salford University who put their faith in me and put their effort in me, encouraged me, and, and also uh, some of them, I hope they gave me generous mark as well <laughs> on my stage, <laughs> but I want them to continue, uh, continue put their energy and effort into yeah. the area of investment, bringing future activists and uh, future social uh, workers and the one generation who continued to lead Salford, Manchester, yeah. and UK and the world. So, next question is, what's one of... The, if you could give your favourite political book, slash movie, slash TV series, what would you recommend? Yeah. And not football? No. <laughs> I suppose this is a form of media, I suppose, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I like uh, this book which I kept on this so long, a political theology. Uh, it was written by Andrew Haywood. Okay. I think if anyone studied politics, they know what this book is. It's so much gives um, a broad perspectives, understanding of political ideologies. And if you ask uh, me about film, and it's James Bond film. James Bond. I'm a big fan of James big Bond. Big fan of James Bond. Yeah. And I don't know who's going to be new next. Go on then. Actually, yeah. that's a great question then. So who do you want to replace Daniel Craig? Wow. <laughs> haven't thought about it. No, no. Well, yeah. it's, yeah, we, yeah. we, know, we don't but know when I, it's going to happen. Is there someone that jumps to mind? I really like uh, Daniel Craig. You really like yeah. him. Yeah. And, and the last episode, of course, I think everyone who watched it, you, you could tell. What story was it there? Beauty. Yeah. 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 Um, to be honest, I really don't know who could be. 
Well, it's it's a it's a question which I think we'll all be thinking about for I think for some time really. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I guess this is a last question, but I think I'm really looking forward to your answer here. So for fellow international students that are coming to Salford mm. and Manchester, what would be your best bit of advice for like acclimatising to the city in the area? Mm. Well, Manchester has been changing a lot, I have to yeah. say. And it's quite exciting, vibrant city now. And compared to when I first arrived here, it was nothing, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's too hard to say nothing, but... Not like today. It's getting more. I think what you're trying to say is it's it's becoming definitely more vibrant. There's、mm. more of a hustle to it. There's a lot more people coming in. There's a lot more jobs, energy, bit,、mm. buildings going up, left, right, and, and center. More options. Skyline's changing. And warmer atmosphere. Warmer atmosphere. Yeah, and also、um, between those universities, we now have international society available. Yeah, I because it's. Manchester. We also have to tell those students it's raining a lot. So those kinds of students who come from sunny weather, they get depression. So we have to encourage them, let them、um, not be by themselves. It can be depressed. Yeah. So let them come to meet with other friends. And universities provide a、um, uh, broad opportunities of such as joining、uh, societies, yeah, yeah. You know, like、uh, like football societies. Or, or, or also political groups or religious、mm-hmm. groups. It's up to them what they want to choose. Yeah. So that come to bring friendship. You know, it can be life friends. Tim, it's been so lovely to have you on. Thank you so much for coming in today. Thank you. Well, one thing I just want to say, thank you.、Uh, many thanks to、uh, Salford University and all the teaching staff and my friends as well. Without Salford University, without the foundation, I could not move on to next step. And also what I am doing today, so I'm very grateful from the bottom of my heart.、Oh, well, what a lovely, lovely way to end on it.、Um, so that brings an end to today's episode.、Um, again, you can watch all of our episodes on our YouTube channel at the official University of Salford channel,、um, and do subscribe to the pod if you are enjoying what you're listening. We're available on all podcast platforms. So until then, goodbye. <laughs>